Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nathan. Today we'll be talking about a Beacon School's latest record, Yo-Yo, which just came out. And not only will Nate and I be talking about this record, but we will be joined by Patrick, who is a Beacon School. And he's going to give us uh, basically all the details you want to know about this record. We're going to do a general talk through yo-yo and then go track by track through this album so uh if you haven't had a chance to listen through the full album feel free to listen to at least the the section of general questions and then pause listen to the album and come back for the track by track conversation you can pause now and listen to track by track or you could just keep listening because it's great no matter how you want to listen and uh i don't think we need to take more time setting this episode up than that nate you ready to dive in let's get it All right, today we have with us Patrick Smith, the creative genius behind the project A Beacon School, to talk about his new sophomore record, Yo-Yo, which was released on October 13th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Obviously, go check it out, but only if you're interested in listening to good music. Patrick, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Glad to be back. So, Patrick, as we're kind of already hinting at, we already talked back in 2019 with the release of not the release of the re-release of cola um and it hasn't been an eternity but it also hasn't been a quick turnaround you've had a lot you've had so much time to hone in on your craft and really develop as an artist and i think that comes through very strongly on yo-yo that evolution what do you feel like was your biggest area of growth between when you wrote and released Cola to now that uh, Yo-Yo's finished? Biggest area of growth, probably like just production ability. You know, when I go back and listen to Cola to me, it sounds kind of like flat and not in like a energy way, but just in a, I feel like these songs have more depth than kind of just more hi-fi i guess and yeah and just all around too just more confident singer better idea of how to write songs and i think i showed a little more restraint this time maybe but i don't know that being said i'm still super proud of the first one and um but yeah i think obviously i I would hope this new one's just better and every way (laughs) so there's plenty of similarities between cola and yo-yo but there's obviously a ton of differences as well and one of the biggest differences i feel like is the sense of atmosphere on yo-yo and you just touched at the production which i feel like this makes perfect sense cola feels a bit more sparse where yo-yo comes in very thick and robust and stays that way essentially throughout the entirety of the record um a lot of the times it comes down to the layering on the record. How was the process of layering on Yo-Yo? And what did you do practically in terms of layering to maintain still the sense of cohesion uh, between different songs? Yeah, um, the layering, 
I think that's from just a function of like working on this stuff for so long and literally just adding and adding and adding. And in the end, I, even though it is still so thick and like layered, uh, in the end, I had to, you know, take a ton of stuff off. So to me, it like is like a lot less <laughs> crazy and layered than what it was at one point. And I went like as far as I could go and then came, dialed it back a little bit. But I don't know. Um, I guess that's just what I was, what was uh, keeping me interested in it was all the textures and layers and atmospheres. Yeah, I guess it's just, just trying to make it, make you feel something. And I feel like the stuff that survived the like four year process was the stuff that kept making me feel something as I kept working on it. I'm always amazed that you have this ability to create hooks on every instrument. You obviously do that with the guitar, but for other songs, it's a synth part, a vocal part, or even a drum and bass groove. Do you always have a hook when you start writing a song? And how intentional are you in making sure that each song has one or more hooks? Hmm. Um. Definitely don't have it in mind. I think it's literally just a process of like brute force um, trying everything until I'm happy with it until i feel like it's airtight yeah it's just i think that's why it takes me a while it's just i'm just trying to make it as yeah quote-unquote perfect as i can and yeah i often ask like why is this part here what is this part doing um i kind of wish i would had more patience and i i really respect music that takes its time more i'm trying to get there but right now but to this point, everything's been like, yeah, just trying to kind of have every second of every song feel like uh, fun or satisfying or catchy or what, whatever. But yeah, just keep trying until, until, until I find something. The performances on the record are top notch and the production is so clean. Uh, we know that you're not only a well-versed and talented musician, but also an incredible mixer and producer. So how much of putting this thing together has been collaborative and what have you completed on your own? This one was a lot more collaborative. Um, there's real drums. There was no real drums on Cola. That was all samples. Um, my friends Eric and Zach played drums on like half the songs. And then actually all the songs were mixed by other people. But... My friend Steve mixed the majority of the record and we've been working, we worked on Cola together. We have known him since I was like 14. We've kind of honed in a really good working relationship. I get the songs as far as I can and they're not too far off. He just adds that final kind of polish, um, just kind of fresh ears and scoops, you know, carves it out, cleans it up a little bit because I'm sending him like a hundred layers. <laughs> Yeah, and then my friend Eric mixed a song. Um, my buddy Chase, who plays in the band and live, played on a song. He was, I was sending everything to him. He was, you know, he played bass on one song. So yeah, a little bit more collaborative, but I'd say I did the, the bulk of it on my own. But definitely would not be uh, the same without all the, the help I got. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you explained the reason for the name Cola was that you felt like your music tasted too sweet. Now, I hadn't considered eating yo-yos until listening to this <laughs> record, uh, but they must be super sweet, too. 
On a serious note, though, do you find that your new music also tastes like cola, or does it taste different? Uh, definitely. I think that's good. Good memory. Yeah, I think. I guess with cola, I sat like it was my first one, and I didn't know how to put out music or have anyone to do it, so I sat on it for so long that like enough time had passed that I did feel like a dis not a disconnect, but like I was like, oh, I'll do it differently now. With this one, I don't, I don't, this one I just finished kind of recently. So I kind of got it all up to date to where I am now as much as I could without completely tearing it all down. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't feel like it is, I, I don't have that same feeling of feeling like it's too, I think this one's a lot more restrained, uh, a lot less hyper. There's still no like crazy math rock like licks and, that being said, I did re-listen to it recently when I was tired, and I was like, oh, this is all so fast. Yeah, I want to do, like, a slowed version for, like, hungover people or late-night people. So, Yo-Yo doesn't seem to have as much of a connection to this new record sound as much as Cola, yeah. obviously. Um, but it feels deeply connected to the journey of the story of the lyrics. The record doesn't have a lot of ups and downs musically though there's definitely dynamics at work and there obviously are ups and downs but lyrically it starts down goes up goes down then totally. up again descends again until it like hits rock bottom and somehow like at the very final moments like comes back up again <laughs> how did you come to naming the record uh yo-yo um it was kind of the last thing we did um actually my i think my my girlfriend kate was listening to a band i think it was a band called the low yo-yo or something and i was like what are you listening to and she said it and then it kind of was like i was like that word that feels and then it kind of just i was like yeah like that that's what this whole thing is just kind of the yeah this exhausting back and forth um kind of (laughs) I feel anyway. Yeah, she said that word, and then there was just a. I liked the, that word. I'm like, that's a weird word. Um, and then I was thinking about it, and I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I also like the aspect of it, kind of like this up, up and down oscillation, but then also it being a toy, and kind of a lot of the lyrics to me are kind of like if the last one was all about or just the sense of you know longing and missing things. And, it's almost like the next phase of that is just kind of like being kind of over that. It's kind of being sick of kind of ruminating. and just So it's almost like the fact that it's a toy is kind of like, I guess, I don't know. It's this idea that you're kind of going back and forth in yourself with yourself, but like for nothing, like you're just driving yourself crazy. Mm. Like it's just a fucking toy. Like you. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're toying with yourself. Exactly. In sense. Exactly. But yeah, I'd say that that was that idea kind of made sense to me. We were thinking also another title were like really long titles because the last record was just one word. Mm-hmm. So we were gonna go with like some insane long like Fiona Apple acts. <laughs> like the first line of the song KITM, where where do you go weathered shell? That was a um, an album title at one point yeah i have like a whole left but anyway it kind of made sense to do just something simple so 
overall, you, you just touched a little bit on the lyrics. Overall, Cola, I felt like was ambiguous and a like extremely poetic record, which you're able to create all these feelings and emotions, but understanding narrative was really difficult. Whereas I feel like on Yo-Yo, you maintain your poetry and ambiguity, but there feels to be more of a storyline that's a little bit less vague. What led you to write in this more straightforward way while still maintaining uh, your really poetic style? Um, I don't know, just maybe practice or having more to say, I guess. I, I, I think, frankly, it's just easier to write if it's about something, you know? But I don't know. I, I feel, I guess it's hard for me. Uh, lyrics are definitely the part that are, hard, you know, come the least natural to me. So I certainly can't apply any sort of, like, concept or concerted effort to make, you know what I mean? It's... Um, I'm interested to hear your interpretation. I definitely did not go in with any sort of um, narrative or through line in mind, but I'm glad to hear something came through. But yeah, I, I guess maybe another thing would be the same way that I'm kind of like on this kind of like getting frustrated with just like the same feeling, having the same kind of just like blank, like nostalgia is, you know, just boring at this point. Uh, I think just having... Mm vague lyrics that don't mean anything is also kind of boring like at some point you have to say something right obviously i make fairly atmospheric music but i don't want it just to be like filler just like vibes only you know uh like background music yeah so like the chorus the choruses for me they're like the key to that like unlocks the meaning of every song almost where what you do in the choruses is you rarely repeat. There's always some type of variation or some type of difference or even sometimes a combination of two different choruses then merge or blend into one. Uh-huh. And they always impact the meaning for me. I feel like in the verses, I can kind of get lost in the poetry and the imagery, but the choruses are like this guiding light to understanding what's going on for me. Was that all at all intentional in terms of using the choruses as these, uh, a strong sense of communication or did it just, it sounds like it happened naturally, but I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, now that you mentioned that, I definitely think it's important to have kind of like anchor points, um, that ground it to something. Yeah. And I, and I do think it's important to have, kind of plain language as far as sometimes but not make it all so flowery and abstract i've never thought about the verse chorus like difference or like splitting it up in that way but i I certainly was um trying to kind of blend if it was getting too kind of lost in the too vague just try and ground it was like what am i actually saying I love the track listing and how the album flows. Yo-Yo seems to be following kind of this linear story of a relationship, which I'm sure had the potential to remove track listing from your hands. But did you follow a chronological approach when creating the track list for Yo-Yo? If so, how much did the preset placement influence their sound? 
And if not, simply chronological, what it went into the track listing process and how did you know you had found the right placements for each? Song? So real quick, I want to I want to interrupt. It's funny that based off of everything you've said so far, Patrick, that's not at all what's happened. And yet I feel like at least for me and I feel like Andrew a little bit as well, like we came out thinking it was this like concept record like, that's awesome. that had this like narrative and story. And so the question sounds like almost stupid because you've literally just said yeah. no, but that's for true. us and the, the, the impact, no, no, I think it's fine for us yeah. and the impact of the record. Like it's so interesting how it almost happened by accident. I don't know. No, I think, I mean, that's kind of been the, the whole like guiding idea of this project is like kind of like, letting um meaning emerge um kind of on its own none of this is like terribly like concerted like i'm gonna make a song like this and it's gonna be about death and it's all just kind of like i'm just gonna make a song and i'm gonna write something and then i'll myself like look back at lyrics years later and be like whoa like that kind of that kind of like applies to something else now, or I don't know. Um, so the fact that you guys are already hearing something than other than what I may have like necessarily intended is amazing. And who knows, you know, like all these songs are from me from a time period. So putting that, I'm not surprised that there is like a through line, you know. Um, as far as the track list. It wasn't super set in stone. The first song was always the first song, and the last song was always the last song. But then it kind of was more just like boring, um, like an analytical thing. Like, okay, well, the first song, that's kind of like, the, how about a fat, you know, fast one next, and then spacing out the different styles and kind of until it settled into. Um, and then just like the really, really unartistic, boring considerations of like, which songs do I want people to hear the most? Because the sad reality is if if you've ever shared a SoundCloud playlist with someone, uh, like when you send your record around, it's just like the play counts just like dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. <laughs> it says people yep. don't. So, I mean, there's also that consideration of just... I'll put, you know, put the weirder songs perhaps deeper. So a quick question about track names. I believe every track name but one is not mentioned in potentially the entirety of the album's lyrics, <laughs> uh, let alone the let alone the song it describes. What What's inspired you? And I mean, that's obviously true with Yo-Yo as well. What's inspired you or led you to name tracks specifically in this way? The boring answer is that most of them are the working titles. Yeah. Um, and then my perhaps bullshit reasoning for that is the same thing. Like kind of like if that's the name, that's the name. Like I'll try and rename it, but it's like, you know, maybe I was onto something when I first named it. Um, I wonder which song has, like for instance, the song Adore. That song... Well, that was the working time. It was originally Hover, correct? Yeah, well, it was originally a door, and then I changed it to Hover to do oh. to do that kind of thing. Like, you know, that's the song lyric. 
And then I just kept calling it that by accident when I was talking about it. <laughs> and I was like, should I just go back? Like, and yeah. So that one was named. So like, for instance, like that, I was, when I, the day I started that song, I was listening to the Miley Cyrus song, Adore You. And mm. I had just started dating my girlfriend and was feeling, and I, like, that's her song, and I called it Adore, and she liked that. She doesn't like that the lyrics are really depressing on it. Um, <laughs> I'm like, the lyrics are not, a, it's her song, but it's not about her. I'm like, yeah. you, she encouraged yeah, me to keep working on it, because I almost ditched that one. <laughs> wow. It's like, I'm, I'm glad I stuck with it, but yeah. So that, and yeah, I don't know, the song titles, just like middle of winter, I definitely wanted to change, um, but everyone I talked to just kind of liked it. And that one was started in the middle of winter, and maybe that's in its DNA, you know. I really wanted to do that as the first single, though, and Jeremy was like, I'm not putting out a song called Middle of Winter in June. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, it's fair, but I'm like, damn, I should have changed. But no, I'm, 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 I'm excited. <laughs> middle, middle of summer. Exactly. <laughs> middle of June. Whoa, really odd. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the song titles kind of either emerged like that or stayed forever. So that that one was called Stay Forever. That's the one. That one was called Stay Forever. Forever. Yep. And then that, there's a store near me called that. And I was all like, that's weird. I don't want to. It's like, a, it's like, that's a weird thing. I always planned on changing it. And then I like the word honeyed from the lyrics. Um, mm. And then I kind of, I don't know, it kind of like, again, I kept calling it that. And it's kind of got two halves. And I almost think of them as like two separate halves. And then the last fun fact is Stay Forever and the song before it, Alone, was called Alone Forever. And they started from the same, mm. like, session. Oh. Um, I think they're really yeah. close in tempo because they were, like, the same song, just split into two separate ideas. I think they might be in the same key or something. All right. So for the album cover, you made a big move from white and black <laughs> to black and white. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it definitely does work thematically, though, in the sense that there's a lot more uh, going on with the boxes that remain kind of mysterious. Mm -hmm. Is there any light you can shed on the making of the cover and why you went in this direction? Yeah. Um, well, the cover, all the, the images in the box are all cut up from the same still image, which is a frame um from my buddy chase who i keep mentioning he's done all the videos so far he had this shot of him filming himself in the window of the subway and then like just it caught the light and it created the streak and i just literally froze that frame and then we cut it into so there's kind of like the there's some there's there's like a, a deeper thing there if you really want to like go deep down the rabbit hole of what it means. Um, but I'll just pause there. It's, you know, a moment, a very like unglamorous, simple moment extrapolated into like making something artistic, which I guess would be kind of like the idea of, you know, making an album, like kind of taking your life and turning it into music. And yeah, there's like that translation. So that's at least how I think of it. Um, 
Yeah, and then Kyle from Grind Select designed the cover with me. And I told him I wanted something dark and moody. And uh, yeah, and then I but then I also wanted I, I fought really hard for the word mark of the word yo yo to be a little more uh, bold instead of um I just wanted something a little more like like he could hold on to as much as it is fun. You know, it's I'm like it's already black and white, it's an abstract image. We gotta have something that's like a little more fun on there. So Patrick. Thanks so much for sharing about Yo-Yo on a general level. Are you ready to get a little bit deeper into yeah. the weeds and talk about each track? Let's do it. Let me get a, um, a Diet Coke and then let's let's awesome. let's let's crack crack on, as not the a, Brits say. Not a sponsor. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up first, we have our opening track, "Middle of Winter." This is a beautiful start to the album between the sliding synths, spacey guitars, and ambient vocals. I love this track and its introduction to how you, as a Beacon School, have grown since Cola. I think an aspect of that growth is your willingness to be, uh, to have a bit more of dissonance for this track. It mainly comes in with a droning sound at the beginning that develops later during the instrumental on the back half of the track. So what led to your willingness to include more dissonance in this track compared to your past work? Um, I think it just, maybe it just sounds more interesting um, to yeah. me, I guess. Like, it's always just kind of doing what I, trying to make something that sounds fun and interesting to me and that I can spare to work on for however long it takes. So yeah, no, no mm-hmm. thought besides just, I thought it sounded cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a great answer so i really want to read all the different choruses on this track we yeah mentioned the different choruses but i i think they're so well written but for the sake of time i won't and i say for the sake of time and i'm gonna go off talking for a little bit yeah um th- there's a few different variations and evolutions of the chorus none of which are repeating the only repetitions are the fact that a, every chorus prominently features the contraction can't. Dream is also repeated uh, in the second and third, which thematically makes sense as you talk about this dream being on loop. And then lastly, the final chorus is a combination of the first and second chorus as you sing, can't change the constraints, still more to do. So first off, I think it's incredible writing, even if it feels like it came about on accident from how humble you are talking about your writing. But as as mentioned, every chorus prominently features the word can't, which creates this feeling to me of powerlessness. Yet the song is bookended from a chorus perspective by the reality that there's still more to do. Like there's despite this can't and feeling of powerlessness, there's a still more to do and feeling of, oh, I can like make a difference or I can like do something here. What led you to kind of write with this type of juxtaposition uh, featured? Well, first of all, I didn't notice the camp thing, but that's so, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I did purposely blend them at the end there. 
Um, I think, can I just more generally talk about the lyric? Because yeah, I, sure. I, I, to me, the song is at least the beginning, like wrestling with the begin, the very first, you know, verses about, I say, where is truth? It's kind of just like, again, this idea of like, kind of, yeah, who knows, you know, like these, these kind of like games you play with yourself to maybe excuse yourself or to let, you know, you can kind of talk yourself into anything, you know, like who's to say, you know, everything's relative, but then the next part of, I can't shake this half phrase is kind of like this acknowledgement that's like, yeah, but you still kind of know like what you should do or like, it's kind of just feeling like maybe, you know, you know what to do, you know, deep down and you're kind of like, maybe resisting it for some reason but you still just like can't shake that feeling and yeah i can't change the constraints or constraints i say it, constraints in the song is the same it's just like i you keep coming back to this idea of like there's something you should be doing and as much as you can kind of use every trick at your disposal to kind of talk yourself out of that you still feel this this uh this thing so yeah i guess it's like uh i guess that's the idea of this song is like it's funny i never thought about this but this being the first song and ash being the last song on the first record i do feel like there's an element to me of the song ash about being like this relative relative kind of like I don't know. To me, the the message of that song was kind of like everything's okay, and this one's like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have uh, one of the singles, the track "Potion." So of maybe all the tracks on Yo-Yo, Potion feels the most like kind of the OG sound of a Beacon School. Most of that comes down to the offbeat grooves and how they interact with the vocal cadences. The song's also noticeably shorter than the rest of the tracks on this album, uh, which again helps it stand out among its peers. Uh, You're also maybe the one artist that I listen to who can write a song this short and still have it feel like a fully fleshed out idea. Uh, when writing Potion, did you ever have to fight the urge to add on to the song to lengthen it? And what made it feel complete? Mm. I don't. I didn't feel the urge to lengthen it, but I certainly felt the urge to like deepen it and add a ton of shit on top. But the honestly, this one came pretty full form like fully formed in like one burst and i just tweaked it from there it kind of just came out i changed the lyrics a little bit 
but for the most part it kind of just I let it be kind of didn't fuck with it so you follow up a song which to me uh like middle of winter regardless of whether it's I mean, it definitely doesn't feel like a song about a relationship from what you just described, but it still feels a bit uh, like heartbreaky, like sad and distraught um, as you process all these things. Um, But Potion follows with this sense of like new love. And again, there's this uh, juxtaposition as you blend choruses with these two ideas that new love is lonely and then new love is holy as the virtues kind of match each perspective chorus. Uh, and so for me, the bridge where you say, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, been waiting for you, really helps me at least make connections for myself. Um, because it's weird where you use both present and then present perfect continuous tense for that bridge section which shows you have been waiting, you're still waiting. Yet the rest of the song, this new love feels like it's already come. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the simultaneous sense of being with someone while also like not being with them or longing for someone while also having them. Um, Is that at all like like, what's going on? That's 100% spot on. I think that last thing you just said is exactly it. Um, Being with someone, but also not um, having them. It's just this idea of kind of like being, you know, seeing someone, but it's still not anything. You don't know each other well enough to like owe each other anything. So you're kind of out, you know, it's kind of like, if the other, you know, you, the other person could ghost you or disappear and you couldn't say anything about it. So that's like the idea of new love. At least that's one. That was my interpretation of that. One interpretation of that line. Um, just like that exciting but terrifying period of kind of being vulnerable. Of like. And yeah, I mean, I've been in a relationship for four years, but it's so I haven't personally felt that um recently but yeah like literally just all my friends i talk to who are dating it's just like that kind of like first like couple months where it's just like terrifying because it's like this i talked yeah talked to my friend the other day after one date he's like i think this is it and then second date he's like ah never mind yeah (laughs) so it's just kind of like that like awful but amazing um start of something next up we have the third track kitm So this is one of my favorite tracks. The movement through the track is moving and inspiring. How the song starts is so ambient and peaceful. And as the song builds, it adds so many different layers to the song. The drums change and really carry the groove changes through the song. One of the biggest takeaways for the track, though, 
is the small parts that are added in the pro- into the production to make it so full without ever sounding muddy. How do you go about layering uh, on this song specifically, and how did you maintain clarity as you continue to add all these parts? Um, well, one for one, my buddy Steve, who Steve DiPaolo, who mixed the song, does an amazing job of cleaning up everything I send him. And yeah, and I guess the other thing is just a thing I've been thinking about as I think about the creative process is kind of like going in with wearing different hats. So I feel like there's the period of creation of like where you're just the musician and you're throwing a million ideas in there. And I have the session with 100, 200 tracks and all these ideas. And then kind of change and go in with more of an editor, more objective, and kind of just start to like, you know, have some be more removed and be like, okay, is this part in here because you were excited you thought of it? Or is it like a good part that makes sense? You know, sometimes you write something you think is so cool, but then a, a, a week later you're like, eh. So yeah, I guess time really helps with that and just being able to kind of shift into that more critical, um, yeah, like editor mindset and trying to shape it. It's funny, that up being said, I still, like you said, it's still fucking crammed with ideas and stuff. And I'm sure like, <laughs> mm-hmm. sure. I'm like British producer, minimalist person would like fucking tear it apart. Be like, yep, way too many things. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's as restrained as I could get it. So is it okay if I guess the title or do you want to keep it a secret? It's revealed. It's been revealed. It's been good guess. Oh, well, oh, oh, I want to guess before. Sorry. Well, I didn't see the YouTube video where you revealed this. I need, I need to do better, uh, searching. Exactly. Right, my guesses are some form of keep kept or keeping in the moment or keep kept keeping it to myself. Yeah. And there's different reasons for each one. Okay. It's the latter. Uh, let's keep it to myself. Okay. But yeah, that was, that's the song. That's the title. Let's keep it to myself. So I'm mainly curious about how many uh, people are, sh- in terms of like the lyrical perspective, how many people are sharing in this song? There's so many, uh, almost like perspectives. And I'll talk about perspective later on because I feel like you deal a lot about perspective on this record. Do you feel like the song is entirely from one perspective or is there any type of uh, back and forth? I think there's certainly a back and forth. Yeah, I think it's the main area of back and forth. I felt like was in the bridge where it says you've got it all wrong. It's been there all along. Totally. But I don't know if if that's where you see it, too. No, I think there's for me, it's all, you know, really the same person. But, you know, coming from several perspectives. But yeah, I think Mm. there's the there's this kind of the more authoritative voice that's more imperative. So there's that. But there's the. Voice that's more, you know, authoritative. That's like, uh, you're dragging your feet, you know, you need to do this. And then there's the more kind of, kind of pondering 
like the person at the beginning um where do you go just kind of like i think of it as yeah and again this is and now that we're talking about it out loud i'm like seeing all the lyrical themes it's just like this one side being very contemplative and spacey almost like huh and then this other voice coming in that's like let's go you know enough (laughs) enough of this you're dragging your feet like yeah i think there's certainly a lot of different voices and characters and perspectives but you know not really separate people as far as just separate um like perspectives next up we have the other co-leads single with potion john So here we go, a fully instrumental track that's seven and a half minutes long and never boring. My favorite part of this song is when you change from this kind of call and response type of groove in the first half to at about three minutes when the hi-hat goes into this double time section and changes the whole groove. I think it's beautiful and so catchy. Uh, There's so many cool additions to the song that keep things interesting the whole time. Genre-wise, this is new territory for you. It's kind of this, uh, has this heavy club influence. So how is living in New York and the club scene impacted a song like this? And if that's not your influence for this track sonically, what is? Yeah, I mean, I think living in New York definitely uh, has an impact on that. I've been, I've found myself at a ton of club nights and DJ shows and stuff um, with my friends. But yeah, I've always liked electronic music. I think as far as that song came, I mean, the, being in New York is more came into play when I was asking my friends, mainly my friend Max, who's like really, really into dance music and is like has amazing taste in music. More just like bouncing ideas off him. Like, is this, does this sound cheesy? Is this, if I'm going to do a song in this world, I don't want it to sound like, oh, like indie rock person trying to make you know baby's first dance song like um so that but then as far but i've always liked electronic music you know i feel like everyone does to some extent you know it's so accessible now so yeah i guess like going to like this type you know electronic shows i don't think have as much of an influence as more just like being around people who like this type of music. So who the hell is this John guy? John is <laughs> John is my friend John Edelstein, who used to play in the band, who's um he goes by J Boxer in a lot of like music stuff. But yeah, that was another case of just like um Something had happened with John and I was writing a song about it and that was just the name of the session and then it kind of just stuck with it and I I liked the idea of this potentially like impersonal, cold, you know, mechanical song having like a person, you know, a very... Hmm. 
familiar name. It's like when people call their dogs like Steven or something. I thought it was just like a funny, or not funny, but like also I'm the same as with the song Dot. I liked giving something that was so long um, a simple title hmm. to kind of cut against that, um, you know, potentially overwhelming, like, that's the also was this always an instrumental like intended to start off that way stay that way the whole time finish that way yeah i think so i never felt the there's there's technically some vocals on there um in the middle yeah but i'm going yeah. oh, oh oh yeah but no i in never in terms of the lyric list yes yes no there never was words on this one um I do. That's yeah. It's definitely something I want to explore more in the future. Um, is instrumental music, um, but no. Yeah. Next up, we have track five, "Adore." So one thing I notice on this album compared to your past music is how the instruments feel so much more unified and almost feel more like a band with instruments taking turns in the spotlight. But as always, I just love your guitar work on this album and this song in particular. Can you talk me through the guitars for this track and how you went about writing and recording them? Yeah, um, I think most of the from a technical perspective, all the guitars are still just DI. Yeah, just straight in the computer. Um, there's obviously a ton of layering. Um, I definitely use I have I use some you know volume pedal stuff to try and create like these like swells and yeah. It started with just like that little hook, but yeah, all the guitars basically just going DI. Um, I did mic some stuff for the record, but I don't think any of that's on this song. It's all just into the computer, baby. So we already uh, talked about how your titles aren't what you'd normally expect, and then how this song in particular went from a door to hover back to a door. Uh, but re really hovering... Both those themes are like really present and at sort of at war with each other almost in the song. Mm -hmm. There's this like juxtaposition um, between those two ideas. I also noticed like a big comparison to the song in KITM, almost like the laying down and hovering in a door to the endless devotion and dragging feet in KITM mm. this like the one member wants to settle and um commit it feels like as the others floating um or dragging their feet and not moving things forward but specifically about this song what I love is about oh I love about it so much is how it connects who someone is intrinsically 
to who they are in a relationship, whether that's romantic or platonic. You write all you do is hover. That word all, I think, is saying a lot. Um, and then the advice that's given to this person seems not only to be trying to grow this relationship, but also grow them as a person. And it, isn't that the beauty and the difficulty of relationships that we bring our, all of ourselves into them or we, we have that option? And isn't that the irony of the song that this person, by hovering, is unwilling to bring themselves in and sink their teeth into this relationship? I guess my main question is, for you, where's that? And this is kind of a little bit more like personal and life. Um, like, where's that balance of not acceptance per se, but sort of like acceptance of, Hey, this is just how somebody is, but also wanting to help others grow and obviously wanting ourselves to grow as well within relationships. And again, it doesn't need to be romantic, but it obviously could be. Yeah. Wow. That's a really good analysis of the song. Um, I mean, I guess that's just like the constant battle, right? I mean, it's like kind of what I was saying with on the first song, there's this idea of of just kind of letting things be and this kind of you know radical acceptance of just like things are, but then that's this kind of I don't know. If that that could be kind of unsatisfying, I guess. Um for me, this song was always to myself. <laughs> Mm. um again the same idea of just like you're not you're just you're all you're doing is kind of not committing any way you're just um stuck basically you don't want to make the wrong move so you don't make any move um but then you're right at the end the message is like just just go for it just like Mm. um Yeah, uh, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I, I would. I think that's a, a, a one people are constantly fighting with trying to can people change? You know. <laughs> and even you talking about so with the song being about yourself, we have those similar questions. Totally. Like, can I change? Exactly. Or am- yeah, I think it's kind of like right. It's just kind of, like, yeah, yeah, I think there is that huge connection to KITM of, like, you're dragging your feet. And then this one, it's like, you're just hovering. You're just kind of, like, I don't know, not committing. And then there's, yeah, the the part about wanting to lay down. It's like, yeah, I do want to, like, kind of, like you said, get down um, and just kind of be... um, so yeah, I think you're totally 100% spot on that there's a connection between those two songs that I had not considered, but I like it. Hey, right, track six, we got Alone.
So I've gone this whole time without talking vocals and cadences, uh, but that was intentional as I specifically wanted to ask about this track. Uh, your melodies and cadences on this whole album are incredible, but I feel like this song kind of shows every trick you have up your sleeve and how you can interweave your cadences to lead into each section so smoothly. So how did you approach Alone Vocally? Ooh, thank, well, first of all, thank you. Um, I don't know. It's definitely the most like exposed and like vocal, vocally forward song. Um, especially in the like the choruses. Um, I don't know. I think it's the kind of same thing, just kind of like brute force, try a million things until you can live with it. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, did not start with the vocals, but um, in the end, kind of found a way to use my voice that I liked. It's like, that's <laughs> the only way I can do it, really. Um, so, again, the lyrics for me, they're building off previous tracks and theme. But this track seems to be one of those like yo-yo pivot points as there's this ascension that happens for the first time since Potion, I feel like. And the first chorus goes, I'm losing count of all the days I've wasted. Oh, all I want is to feel like something's taken. And then the second chorus, which is kind of the end of the song, closes, I'm losing count of all the days I've wasted. Oh, all at once, I feel like something's taking. And first of all, first of all, I think it's so cool how with this change of chorus, the second line can, has the potential to change the interpretation of the first line, um, where in the first chorus, I'm losing count of all the days I've wasted feels like it's set out of fear of regret where the second line, it could be said in the sense of it doesn't matter how many days I've wasted because it finally feels like it's all going to be worth it. But regardless of interpretation on, on that, the first few times I've heard the, I heard the song without the lyrics and just listening, because um, it's like you, your music and your these words, I feel like you're saying it, and I know you as a musician, that's like the first thing that comes to mind, like, fear of wasting times in music and I feel like every musician probably has those when you do music as a huge part of your life you struggle with that question or maybe you don't because you're just so liberated and <laughs> start, but do, do you feel like for you you've ever kind of asked that question more about your career or 100%. has that never really been That's a thing for you? pretty much what the song is about. Um, yeah, just feeling like you will need something to go your way. Yeah, but definitely. That's huge. That's like tons of the idea of these songs is like that idea of kind of needing to something to happen one way or another. Um, yeah, so... Definitely spot on there. Well, you're lucky you came on this podcast because you're being pretty. I'm sorry. I couldn't say that without laughing. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is all it. right. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, next up, uh, we have Honeyed. Uh, stay forever.
So, Patrick, you always have done a great job with song structure. It's always been unpredictable and feels like the song keeps moving forward, even if you don't really know which section you're currently in sometimes. And I think this song is a good example of that. It has an interesting song structure to it and includes a major time change in it as well. So can you talk about how you went about writing the song structure for this song? Certainly. Um, Most of my songs start as a huge kind of just like, almost like notepad, like of ideas, just a bunch of different parts all over. So for this one, it was that main kind of um, guitar part that takes up the whole first half, that kind of palm muted um, thing. And I had that looping and I just had all these different kind of ideas over the top of it but i just figured i'd make the first half kind of this to me i always visualized it as like driving down like a street like in the desert and passing all these different you know things on the you know inside of the road so each of those are like different vignettes so you're kind of like you have that main groove and then all these like little ideas passing um so that's how i figured you know just from like, yeah, from a practical point of view, just how do I get all these ideas in here? And it's like, okay, I'll just kind of stack them one after another. Um, and then I had that like kind of three, four chorus part that felt like a good break. And then, yeah, and then I used the chords from that chorus part to make the ending and tie it back to the same groove. So it's kind of like, yeah, I guess the end is like the back half, like kind of like a synthesis of the first and second parts. I think this is one of your most poetic tracks on the record in terms of imagery um, and kind of it being difficult to know exactly what you're talking about, even though I feel like we've already established like people can have guesses and think they're onto something and, and not be at all what you're thinking. But I think on this song, you use the most amount of pronouns on any track. There's you, us, they, me, we. And I think that's saying something thematically here because the song, I feel like, is a lot about identity and who someone is. And we find our identity both in light of who we are individually, but also who we are collectively, that like singular versus pluralness that's going on in the song. And it seems to be navigating in the story of the track, this person um, trying to like navigate that. And ultimately you say, it's not up to me. Um, And it feels like there's this difficulty in letting go and allowing this person or maybe yourself to make their own decisions, especially when you deeply care about them. Uh, I guess this is turning into Patrick's advice, but how do you find that balance of, being an individual, but also being together and figuring out your identity in light of that? Hmm. Good question. I will say more broadly, the song's definitely like has people and other people aside from myself in mind. Okay. Um, And I definitely, yeah, I do think it is kind of, I certainly, I think a big part of this whole album is me thinking about the people in my life who I miss and want and 
I think I 100% define myself by the people I care about, you know. Um, so it's definitely, they definitely inform, I definitely am speaking to them, to all these people that, you know. Um, yeah, I want to be with or who I'm comparing myself to or... I think there's it's like definitely shifts around, you know, it's not all one like linear narrative, but it's certainly, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head when you said it's about kind of oneself and their relation to the people around them. Yeah. Awesome. Next up, we have uh, the first song that we ever heard off the record, which is Duck. So in terms of dynamics, this might be the most dynamic song you've ever written. There's the initial buildup in the first half of the track, which fades nearly to a halt, followed by a slow buildup that seems like it will fade off as well, but is followed by a booming ending as you belt the main refrain of the song to close it out. So how did you develop uh, this song in terms of the dynamics? That's a good question. I think it mainly like, the main loud part that's the bulk of the song was the main you know was the main idea i guess that main like loop or riff and then it was just yeah just building towards that and then yeah i i don't know i i i I can't, I don't know if I have a great answer for that other than just like, it felt like the move. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind yeah. of like, again, I had all these different parts and competing ideas and the ones that are in the song, I, to me, it like boiled down to like, there's like the, yeah, the intro, the main part, and then the bridge. And those were like the three ideas I felt like I could create a cohesive song out of and then just kind of yeah it's not the most artistic or poetic answer but it was just kind of like making these disparate ideas work together um yeah and then i just thought it's cool like kind of bringing it down and then just slamming it back that one the few times we've played that song live that part the ending has been really fun because yeah Especially, I mean, not many people, we, when we were opening for another band, you know, they don't know our songs at all. So like, we tend to get a lot of like applause in the, at the end of that middle section. And then it's just like, yeah. So I take back what I said about Honey being poetic. Uh, <laughs> dot, Dot's just next level. It would ruin the song, so I won't do this but i would love to sit here and literally ask what every line means i'll, uh, I'll do it so i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> i've thought about I mean, it I've, I've, thought, I've thought about it a lot i mean 
I feel like I can't, I wasn't expecting you to say that, but I mean, I feel like we can't pass up this opportunity. If you want to explain the song, that'd be sick. Yeah. Especially because I, okay. Quick backstory. I wrote it. The song was finished and I wanted to put it out last year to kind of like, cause it'd been so long. And Jeremy and Grind Select were like, okay, if you want to put it out before your show in April, we need it by this six weeks. But it has to be done by blah, blah, blah. Anyway, all that is said, all that's to say, like, I needed to finish it while I was on in LA on vacation. So my friend, I brought my computer and I, the song, the music was done, but I had to do all the vocals and I had all the melodies, but I hadn't recorded so I went to my friend's practice space and spent all day recording vocals. But I didn't really have the lyrics done. I was singing a bunch of different lyrics and then I kind of Frankenstein them to create the final mm-hmm. lyrics. So part of me was like, what does this mean? You know? Yeah. So I have <laughs> spent a lot of time thinking about it. Okay, that was a big preamble. So like... The first stanza to me is about when I um outside when it's kind of like feeling bad that uh and going outside and just seeing like the sun um setting kind of in New York or like just like a just like you're sick of this place, then you go outside and it like looks amazing. It's like t- tantalizing again. Mm-hmm. And it is, and so then the phrase to understand the invitation, it's like, it looks that way so that you can understand why you are in this place. Um, if that makes sense. It's like the invitation to be in basically in New York, like it has to look a certain way. It has to look tantalizing. Otherwise it wouldn't make sense. Like, why am I here? If that makes sense. Yeah. So that's the first part. It's just kind of like, yeah, being roped back in, baby. You're like, oh, I can't stand this place. And then you go outside and it's like, it just looked, you know, from a, I've lived here 14 years and on and off, but for the most part. And like, I saw, you know, I still am a sucker for a New York sunset and that. And it will make me feel inspired again. And then, okay. And then it's, yeah, you felt it come true. It's basically like kind of just feeling that kind of rush of inspiration and like limitless possibility that like just staring at the New York skyline can give you. And then the realization of like, I've done this before. I've, I've danced this dance so many times. Like it, that's, the phrase it's no different it's just kind of like the thing i've been talking about like feeling this thing and then kind of the one step remove of like oh like so yeah that's the that's the idea of the song and then that kind of kind of i guess that's all kind of expanded upon in the bridge um you know the light shifting all the rest fills and so, so that's exactly what i was talking about you find your head fizzing softly and you swear it all feels new but it's all it's no different um so yeah that song's just about about that feeling almost in like a abusive relationship with this place 
Um, what was your, does that, what, what, what was your interpretation? What was your question going to be? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, for me, it was focusing on the line, but it's no different because it's obviously what you repeat the most. Um, and yet, despite you swear it all feels new again, the juxtaposition of saying it's new, but it's not. Um, and so the divided perspective, I've kind of viewed this whole album as a relationship record, which it clearly isn't from your intentions, but it's so interesting that it can come across that way. I mean, totally Um, is in the broadest sense. Um, yeah, but yeah, not in the romantic sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But just like this different perspective, because you also you refer to you, you talk to yourself a lot on the album. So yeah. when you say you, I'm thinking, oh, it's this other person, but it's often you're talking to yourself. And so mm-hmm. this different of perspective, um, which what my question was, is that why you wrote the song poetically? because the different perspectives of you and this other person creates this lack of understanding. Mm. And so having this kind of vague poetic language, was it supposed to create this feeling of, Oh, I don't get what you're saying. Exactly. Interesting. We see things differently. We understand each other differently. Yeah. No, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that, you know, I wrote the lyrics quickly and then, Frankenstein together lines that didn't go <laughs> go together before. That's only yeah. that's just for the intro, by the way. That's not the whole song. Um, that's just the first two. Um, I think it was something else, like to understand the invitation again. It was like waiting to understand the or like trying to understand. I think, and I got rid of that word. So I was like. I was trying to make sense of it. I was like, and I just put in parentheses extra words to make it make sense that aren't even in the song. <laughs> like, so that when you read it, it makes sense. But then I was, I had an aha moment. I'm like, no, this makes total sense. I get it. Uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 the last thing I'll say, like, this was, I feel like the first time I was like, I can let a song be slightly negative. I think. Um, mm. And I do having talked about lots, there is a lot more, I guess just like negativity on this album, but hopefully yeah. in a way that's balanced out and feels true and real. Um, I did like the, I, I, even the songs that I feel like have sadder or darker moments, I do feel like I tend to like save at the um, mm-hmm. last second, you know? So I like the idea of this one being like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like nosedive right at the end. It's like, no, um, but you know that being said like even i frankly don't know exactly what all these songs mean so like i don't want to say that that's what it is that's i might look at these words later and be like oh no i know what i was trying to say so (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. just one interpretation and i love all the interpretations you've had so far sweet next up we got down the pyramid
So we've discussed track listing already, and this song always takes me by surprise because it's so different compared to many of the other tracks and hits so hard at this point of the record. And for me, I feel it invokes this sense of mystery and a feeling of uneasiness, at least until the instrumental at the end. Yet there's still so much brightness in your tones. What do you think was the key to creating those feelings of mystery on this track? Yeah, I think it's just all the kind of dissonant guitar, for sure. I definitely wanted to... When we were mixing it, I kept coming back. I had this, yeah, just really kind of like wiry, thin and dissonant guitar that are bouncing off each other. And I, yeah, I just think the music, aside from the lyric, the vocals and stuff, does all the heavy lifting as far as creating like an unease. And there's just kind of like the herky-jerky beat behind it and doesn't really resolve, but it just kind of... And there's just like a ton of layers that are all rubbing against each other that are just like, yeah, again, I wanted to make something a little like more dissonant. So I'm glad you didn't name this one DTP because I never would have guessed it. Um, but uh, I'm, I apologize. I'm going to go off on a, I, I understand I'm long-winded. No, so I love it. I love it. Belts. It makes me feel better about being long-winded myself. <laughs> you know you're doing great uh i don't know if well i feel like i'm assuming it's not a breakup song it might be but it's the most breakup like song on the record you use a lot of house imagery windows table room curtain they broke the windows you don't want them to look under the table they moved away from the room with the curtain everything's either broken hidden or abandoned nothing's like right nothing's as it should be and that's a difficult place uh, to live in as a person and as i listened to the record more and more and dove deeper into the lyrics i noticed again another song going back in my mind to kitm you mentioned glass a shelf tile but the main indicator is where you sing crossed off your name on this track where on KTIM, KITM, you saying cross it out for me. Mm. And maybe that's just coincidence. No, that's maybe one, you're just 100% a callback. You got that. All right. Sweet. So that's, I have two questions. My first question is what was the purpose of that callback for you? Um, well, in this, in this song, you know, uh, it's like the image of someone having a list of names uh, and it's who's to blame. So it's kind of like, you know, kind of narrowing some, the idea of narrowing down who's to blame for something and like kind of, and then the idea of bringing that back on KITM is just kind of like, because that song's all about, you know, in action and want and know it, not you know wanting to do something not knowing what to do the phrase cross it off for me there is kind of just like just, just tell me what to do like hmm. it's like kind of like narrow it down for me like um you know or even like tell me i'm not at all here like just there's like it's just like clue me fill me in like um <laughs> I imagine, yeah, I always, I always imagined this song 
like like detective like noir imagery I just imagine like a guy <laughs> um you know with an old like yellow piece of yellowed piece of paper like trying to find suspects and then yeah so that's definitely the connection there is just like am i yeah am i to blame for all this so my second question is focused on the line and then the following instrumental that made you so certain um which i for me connects to the dragging of feet in kitm like the like irony of it all but um regardless it's repeated multiple times as it fades out before the instrumental to close the song, almost as if the certainty itself was disappearing. And then for me, despite there being no more lyrics, the instrumental, it has a voice in this song. I don't know how to describe it. Um, do you feel like the instrumental has a voice in terms of the lyrical and themes? And if so, what do you feel like it's, if you're willing to share, what do you feel like it's saying? Or this might be just like, no, yeah. Really analyzing the theming. No, I think I definitely tried to add lyrics and vocals to the end part. I and I get I kept coming back to like on just couldn't find anything that worked or was adding anything. And I I don't know. And I just was checking with the people around me like, does does this need any? So there is like a vocal part, you know, like that's like going, ah, like whatever. It's just lyricless <laughs> vocals like buried deep in there going, uh, or whatever but yeah I think it's just again it's kind of the idea of like letting it like you said the certainty and letting it finish kind of ambiguously and not having to button it up so uh, being like but it's all okay you know whatever like because i do think the music itself is a little more hopeful towards the end than certainly on the first half but definitely um no i do kind of like just how it kind of floats out there and it's just kind of this cathartic blast but without much resolution to this like uh, like yeah the song's just like yeah there's nothing to go on it's like okay there's no kind of synthesis or lesson or it's just kind of yeah i guess the song is to get back to like the detective the song is searching but without much conclusion all right we're here last track mantra So about Mantra, it's such a great closer. Uh, for the first time I heard this album, I wasn't really paying attention to where I was in the album and just kind of was listening. Yet as the song was ending, I was like, oh yeah, this is the closer. Um, it has that distinct feel to it and, and sound to it. So I know you had already mentioned that uh, first track was always the first track. This was already uh, just always the closer and it's a great choice. Um, one thing that I love in the song is the chord structure for the song. Um, it basically is very similar chord structure throughout most of the song. And then 
the last kind of minute and a half, it completely changes that chord structure uh, pretty majorly. So how did you go about writing this song and uh, going about such a big shift in the chord structure? Yeah, that was actually really, really hard. It was getting the two um, parts to kind of jive with each other. And like, because this was the last song, I kind of like treated myself and was like, I'm going to jam in too many ideas, you know? Whereas I talked on the other songs, like deleting sections and stuff. This one, I was like, I'm going to, for the most part, keep them all in. So I was like, that's why it's so long. It kind of goes through all these different movements. But I, I had basically just, I was in this weird, this tuning and I had that last chord progression and then the one that preceded it. And I didn't know how to bridge them because they're, I think they're different keys. So, and then I messed around with, um, you'll kind of hear there's like these droning guitars that like come in like, nah, and then they all, um like bend into shape for the new um key and when i figured that out and it's like this big kind of moment i was just like so excited but yeah that was all using this one guitar this one pedal the the red panda tensor pedal um you can just like pitch bend and stuff and i just had like you know, I found where I was and where I needed to be and just bend it, each note individually down into the new key and it just kind of like worked. Um, yeah, I was really excited that I was able, because yeah, like you said, that last chord progression always felt like a good closing one and I just didn't know how to get there. So uh, the first thing I noticed is in terms of the lyrical pattern, you disrupted this pattern you had going on. Um, and with the first and last, I don't know if you call them this a verse or a chorus. The sections on this song, I think, are a little bit harder to totally, place totally. exactly what they are. Uh, did you ever consider the line, everyone that I want to leave is staying? <laughs> no. <laughs> I figured not. Um, I, it, you broke the pattern, but I feel like it was to be a nice guy. And so we respect that. Um the song is simultaneously wicked sad and also very optimistic. You talk about getting over things and processing how to move on. And then you close by saying everything's come together so perfectly. Uh, throughout all the highs and lows, so much of the song and the record as, as a whole is about perspective. Um, okay. If you don't mind answering, how do you gain how in this instance even how did you gain perspective i don't know i think i don't know if i gained perspective as much as just i ended with perspective uh i mm. like i guess that's the idea of the the yo-yo right it's like it's up and neither is yeah. right or it's just kind of oscillating back and forth so i think it's more just you ending ending on an up but not necessarily and I know I do think that like, I guess yeah, what I'm trying to say is like having perspective or whatever is not necessarily like right. Like I feel like there's this tendency to think that it's like so enlightened to like have, you know, to be like above it all kind of. And this is, 
I guess this time I'm more thinking about that idea. I think on the last record, I was trying to kind of have this remove and this detachment and like this why. And now it's like, I don't know, like, is that perspective any more valid than being bummed and sad and emotional about everything, you know? Um, so I guess that's the answer is like, it just ends on one of those uh, moments with perspective, but those are just as valid because yeah, like I said, it's like, it can be frustrating to just like excuse everything all the time to just be like, Oh, well, in the grand scheme of things, or, you know, or like, when you think of it this way, it's like that can get exhausting to just kind of think that way no that's how i think like through this conversation i think this has been amazing um super fun and yeah i'm just like noticing the themes that are emerging you know i haven't really sat down with all these lyrics together like this in a while so i'm really seeing yeah really a lot darker than i I thought it would be but uh (laughs) it is dark dude but yeah uh but on a bright note we're at the part of the interview as we close or we go over our favorite track uh again i we probably said this last time these songs are all your babies so this doesn't you aren't hopefully you won't hurt any of their feelings yeah they won't be listening to this episode um but as you think about it andrew and i can step in and share first and then we'll yeah yeah you got you, you you guys share what you like uh, Andrew, I'll go do first. You hit us? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick KATM. I think it's nice. got a mixture of everything in it. Um, it I really love it. Obviously, your approach on this album is very different. You talked about um, kind of the difference of Cola feeling sparse, especially compared to this, and this one much more layered and full. And I feel like um, one of the better examples of that, if you're like, hey, have you heard the new? A Beacon School album, here's a good example of what you're going to get. I feel like that's KITM. I think it's a great track. I think everything works together on it. Um, I could say that about a lot of tracks on this, but i got to pick one, so I'll pick KITM. So, Thank you. How about you, Nate? Uh, for me, I think it's been really difficult to stick with one. because, uh, yeah. And I'm Andrew, I know it's the same way. Um, listening to this record has been such a treat and a pleasure and there's not really any and i say this as the biggest positive i can say none of them are standout tracks i feel like they're all in their own ways standout tracks um for me at this point i'm gonna go with uh with mantra uh just i think what it does is it just encapsulates everything from the record for me thematically. And then it, the switch in key and everything, it just, that it holds that bit of perspective, which again is so thematic with the record and the highs and the lows. It just, I think it's a quintessential track for understanding. And then it, it, a lot of the record is very consistent and then you'll have a track like dot, which has this explosive section mantra is another one of those like really explosive, energetic, 
uh, powerful sections, which I'm sure will be incredible to play live, despite how difficult it might be. Yeah, Uh, we haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Um, I like both those songs. Those would be in my top picks. I don't know what my favorite one. I really don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's so hard because yeah, like you just it's less like the baby, like it's my baby, and more just like I'm just <laughs> sick of most of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um. I'd, I'd say either, I don't know. I think I'll say mantra as well, just because I'm kind of like mm-hmm. proud of, like, believe it or not, the main lyric, everything I don't want to change to change it is like, was a first draft, you know, that was just... Obviously, and then I was like, obviously, I can't leave it like that. It's so plain. It's so like exposed. <laughs> but my buddy Chase, like you talking about, was like, no, like that's great. It's relatable. It's... So I'm kind of like proud that I kept it, and it's just so like, yeah. Hopefully, not too whiny sounding, but just like more like relatable. You know, just getting to this age, just feeling like, you know. Like we said, you define yourself by people in your life, and then those people move, or mm-hmm. and then you're like, "What? Uh, what's going on?" Like, and then at the same time, yeah. yeah, feeling stuck. So, yeah, I guess I'm just proud of it, and from that perspective, I oh here, I'll 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 cheat. I'll be like, that one's the most the one I'm proudest, the most like lyrically and thematically, mm-hmm. and then. Probably John's the one I like the most, like musically, just because it was such like a yeah. um, like new territory for me, and yeah, something I really want when I'm listening to music is like it to be satisfying and just like yeah, just like hit as hard. And that one for me, when I'm listening to it in headphones, just like really like yeah. hits the spot. Um, yeah. so yeah, that'll be my answer. I almost picked John as well. I love that track. I, I, one of the reasons I didn't is like for the same reason that I said, like I would show someone KITM as like a good example of the album. John is so different than what the rest of the album would give. But like, I mean, if you put a full album out exactly like John, I I think uh, we would both be pretty ecstatic. It's, it's, it's (laughs) like I said, it's hard for me to like have like, make plan because i really want to do that actually next but yeah knowing me that will be the intention and it will go completely haywire (laughs) but yeah that's also the reason we we put potion out with john was just like not to yeah freak people out too much um sure so we'd be like there's still guitar don't worry all right patrick uh before we finish uh is there anything about the record we haven't asked that you really want to share not really you guys i really appreciate how deep you went it's been really fun to like i would just, i feel like the last time i engaged with it was just in finishing mode which is very mm. non um fun and not very musical and artistic it's very technical and 
So yeah. it's really fun getting back into this headspace of like thinking about it, um, like artistically again. So I really enjoyed it. So thanks so much for that. All right. Well, Patrick, Patrick, thanks so much for taking the time to join us and sharing so much interesting information on Yo-Yo. You've been extremely generous with us and your time and information for those listening Listen to Yo-Yo, buy the vinyl and other merch, buy tickets, see Patrick play live. Uh, potentially, if you you go to that opening show, that's right. October you something, a little surprise. October twenty sixth at Elsewhere Zone One in Brooklyn. Be there, be square, man. Please support this man so he continue to feed us incredible music <laughs> and more importantly, have food on his table. That's right, Patrick. Have that. Have Coke Zeros forward. in the fridge. yeah Yeah. you gotta stay stocked dude exactly (laughs) well thank you yeah my pleasure i really enjoyed doing it and i really really appreciate how like deep you guys like engaged with it especially in this like album rollout we've you know you get press and stuff and i go and look at the press and it's literally the press release just pasted onto a website and it's just like okay mm. um which is fine you know i get it i know how the biz works but it's always really nice when someone like actually engages with the music and thinks about it for like two more than two seconds so <laughs> it's uh i really enjoyed this so thank you guys Thanks for listening to this episode with us. We hope you enjoyed uh, Patrick and uh, just the time he took to talk us through this album and all the thoughts and feelings and emotions behind the record. Please reach out and let him know that you appreciated him taking the time uh, to join us on the episode here. If you enjoyed this episode and want to listen to more, feel free to like and subscribe and all that fun stuff. Uh, We would also love to hear your thoughts on this record and uh and just maybe favorite track or something like that so reach out to us on our socials you can find us on twitter and instagram at ldl pod and you can also email us at long distance listening at gmail.com thanks so much and have a great day Yo, 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 yo,